It is my honor to introduce my friend, uh, Thomas Jewardner. For most of you who are returning students, he needs no introduction, but I would like to give an introduction to many of you who are new to our campus. Thomas is a person who has been given unique gifts in both ability and opportunity, and then he has seized those gifts. He's had the opportunity to study in Sri Lanka and Rome and Germany and England. He then had opportunity to teach in England and Sri Lanka and Africa. And once coming to the United States, taught at Harvard and Purdue. And then in 88, at the same time we came to Westmont, he joined us here at Westmont. Thomas was a priest in the Roman Catholic Church and is now a priest in the Anglican Church. He has a wife and two children. When I think of Thomas personally, I think of a person who gets to the heart of things in a very profound and yet simple way and has spoken to me through the time that we've shared together here at Westmont. And so I introduce him to you and Thomas, may God bless you as you speak to us on prayer and work. Let me get the mechanics right. Good morning. There are many things in my heart that I like to share with you, and I have struggled along how to share all that in 25 minutes. So let me start somewhere. The first thing that I struggled about was whether I should share some of my own journey in prayer, but sometimes I had thought that it might be relevant. So let me be very brief about that. And I think it is always good to say something about what one has gone through. You see, I grew up uh, in Sri Lanka, which is a small island on the other part of the world. And both the culture and the family in which I grew were very religious. Prayer was a part of personal life as well as a part of public life. Uh, to give you an example, uh, as a small child I would wake up, the first thing that I remember doing was to kneel on the bed and to say a prayer. And my father will wake up in the morning and will switch on the radio and from 5.30 in the morning until 7 o'clock, you would hear religious music and meditations and prayers. They might be Buddhist or Hindu or Muslim or Christian, but they were all about prayer. 
Then I remember my father bathing in the morning and he would come and he would sit on the bed and before he puts on his suit, he would open his prayer book and he would pray, I remember. And as children we would go to him and he would bless us. Then we go to school and in the school everything started with prayer and between classes there were prayers. There were special days called retreats. There were days for confessions. And so you see that that was the environment in which I grew up, not that I always found that meaningful or that I was a prayerful child. Some of us needed to adjust to that. It didn't, was not to our liking, but we had no choice. My, my brother belonged to the category where he really did not like any prayers. I felt that I had a need for it. So, I liked it. Then what happened was, as I grew up and when I wanted to become a priest in the Roman Catholic Church, then the transition was automatic. Because in the training to become a priest, both in the Roman Catholic Church as well as the Anglican Church, which is called the Episcopal Church in the United States, uh, life once again began with prayer. We would wake up in the morning and the first activity, which was public and communal, was to, to come to chapel for prayer in the morning at 6 o'clock. And there would be morning prayer from the scriptures and from the Psalms. And then after morning prayer was a time of meditation, followed by the Eucharist. And then eight at 8 o'clock we had breakfast, and after breakfast, we would go to the university, we would walk down to the university for lectures. Then at noon, when the interval began, uh, it was different again. We would, everything would be interrupted and we would walk back to the chapel and we would have a prayer called the examination of conscience. And after that, we would go for lunch. And then once again, the university work continued. And in the evening, evening study would once again be interrupted at 7 o'clock. I forget now, maybe 7 o'clock or 7.30. And then we had a spiritual talk given by one of the professors or priests, uh, followed by vespers, after which we had dinner together. And during the weekdays, uh, we would have lunch or dinner in silence, either one. And uh, during that time, now you think we are crazy, isn't it? <laughs> I don't see you clearly because you are dark, so I'm trying to guess you what you're thinking inside yourself. And uh, what we really did was during lunch and dinner, uh, we would uh, eat in silence and somebody would come and read an assigned reading from one of the spiritual classics. I remember 
one guy uh, in my first year reading uh, a screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis. I remember somebody reading Augustine's Confessions or Mahatma Gandhi's autobiography. I remember those. And uh, so sometimes we would wait for a day when there would be conversation, you know, instead of uh, reading. Now that was the life that I lived for a long time and, and I had, I, I searched for the meaning of prayer and all my life in Sri Lanka and in India as well as uh, in countries in Europe like in Rome, England, Germany and France, I would visit communities and listened and learned about how they prayed. So it became a very important part of my life, or rather my life became a very important part of prayer. And then I got married, as you know, and, uh, and in our married life, uh, both my wife and myself, we come from similar backgrounds, and we have struggled to keep that integration of life, of physical life, of the life of prayer, the life of learning, and the life of recreation. Those are the four axes on which we want to integrate our lives. So that is, in a, in a nutshell, uh, the background. And I must tell you honestly, in married life I have struggled to keep that in focus, and it has not always been a success. It has been ups and downs. And coming to today, I want to share with you some of those reflections that come from my own personal experience. Why prayer is an important part of my life. In reading the scriptures throughout life, I have found that if there was one activity that defined for me the nature and the teaching of Christ and the life of Christ, that it was his life of prayer. You read his miracles, you read all the important events of his life, and you would see him praying. Before his ministry, he was driven by the Holy Spirit into the desert and he prayed. You would see Jesus before his transfiguration with his three select apostles and you would see him praying. Before his passion in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayers to the Father. After his resurrection, he appears to the disciples and to the women as they prayed. Every time he made a miracle, he healed somebody, he prayed to the Father. Prayer was a very important part of Jesus' life. The evangelists teach us 
that he retreated from the crowd and went to pray. Why? And we see in Jesus' teaching that not only that he prayed by himself, but he taught people how to pray. There are lengthy descriptions of Jesus' teaching on prayer. In the Gospels, you see Jesus telling people how not to pray, like the Pharisees. He teaches them even a formula, the Our Father and modern scripturists think, that come from the early church. Not only Jesus, but we find that the earliest church of the apostles was a church that was built on prayer. The very church of Jesus was born out of prayer. They were gathered together in the upper room and the Holy Spirit descends upon them in tongues of fire. We see prayer as a very important part of the traditions of the church throughout history. Every time we see of the flourishing of the church, we see prayer at the heart of that. If we see the fragmentation and the degeneration of Christians and the church, we see an absence of prayer. We see the monastic communities as the church got politicized after Constantine was converted to Christianity. We see the monastic communities gathering together and praying and the beginning of the great liturgical traditions of the church. So that is the first point that I'd like to share with you. That at the heart of the Christian message, the vehicle and the passage of our lives from exterior to the interior life, from time to eternity, from humanity to divinity, is the vehicle of time, of prayer. Then I'd like to share with you the second point. We still have about 12 minutes to go. Looking at the watch. <laughs> I want to share with you uh, uh, what I would call the conditions and the qualities of prayer. Uh, I talked with some of you during the last week to find out how you prayed. You know, and I was I was overjoyed to hear students telling me how. Uh, how they prayed in the morning as they got up, how they prayed before meals, how they prayed together in shared prayer, how they held account themselves accountable to each other uh, in prayer. See, how some of you all spent a retreat of the weekend, just probably last weekend or the weekend before, in, in prayer and praise. And that's heartening to know. There is something that lies at the heart of prayer, which I would say the first step in prayer. The first step in prayer is not oneself. It's not the prayer you say. It's not others. The first step in prayer is to be aware of the presence of God. If what we are doing now is a prayer, 
The most important awareness that all of us should have now is not what I say, is not that we are so many of us here, but the presence of God. That is the first step in prayer, to, to be aware that you are in the presence of God, the divine presence. So that's the first characteristic of prayer. The second characteristic of prayer is that prayer is a restoration. If I may use another word, a prayer is a recollection. And sometimes if you word the recollection is not a, it doesn't bring out the meaning very well. But if you go to the old English word, it comes out of two different words. It's recollect. What does it mean to collect? You see, when we work, our spirit is scattered. Our minds are scattered in the work that we are doing. In philosophy, we call it particularization. We do particular things and our spirit is fragmented. And it is part of our physical nature, which is called corporeality, the reality of the body. And what is important is, it is the, only the spirit that can gather our feelings, our emotions, our, our thoughts and what we do together. So we need in our daily activities, constantly, to return back to the Spirit. Because it is the Spirit that recollects and integrates what we do and enriches us. And that is how we grow. Like the water that you pour to the plant integrates and collects the fertilizer and brings it to the plant through the roots. And you don't need a lot of time to do that. Just a few minutes to recollect. And recollection takes place through what we call reflection. The, the Latin word reflection, the English word reflection comes from the Latin word flare. Flero, flare, flare, flatum. Flare means to fold. You take a piece of paper and you fold. You see, you fold it over. And when you reflect, that is what you do. You go back on what you have done and the passage through which you have gone. And that is called reflection. So the second point is in prayer, the quality of prayer is to reflect or to recollect. The third point or the third characteristic of prayer is encounter. Prayer is an encounter. You're not looking at your navel in prayer. You see? <laughs> Have you heard of that before? Yeah. Prayer is a... Prayer is an encounter. It is not an introspection. You, you meet... You meet the divine God. You are present to a person. You're not present to an abstract philosophical reality. 
You're present to the God within you. You're, and you're present to the God in whom you live and move. So it is a dialogue. And when you journey in prayer, you would find that your, your words would become less and your ears will become larger. Why do I say that? You see, listening, learning to listen to the Spirit within you is a discerning gift of the Spirit. And it's a very important characteristic of prayer. And one last point I would share with you before I go to the next theme. That is, prayer is an abandonment. Prayer is an abandonment. Like when you fall in love, and it is the time for some of us to fall in love. Is that right? When you fall in love, in a way you abandon yourself. You abandon your ego to somebody. You see, you do that. And you love with your heart and you abandon. Your heart begins in a way to take over. You think with your mind and you love with your heart. You don't love with your mind, then your love is cold. You don't think with your heart because then you get blind. So, in prayer, you abandon yourself, both with your mind and your heart, to the God, to the lover who is within you. And that is a very important stage of prayer. Then I want to come to one last topic, and we have about five minutes left. So let me share a few thoughts with you about that. Then we, ha we have in prayer what are called different types of prayer. And very often, more, I find that most of our discussions are about uh, the controversies about whose prayer is, is better, you see. The first type of prayer is what we call ritual prayer. You see, ritual prayer is we have a formula, and you say the formula, like the Our Father. Or, or it can be a spontaneous prayer. Spontaneous prayer is also a ritual prayer. There's a format. You stand, you bend your head, and you say something, the others listen. That's a sort of a ritual. Now, I, there, the controversy is very often uh, about uh, what we call spontaneous prayer and liturgical prayer. That is the second type of prayer called the liturgical prayer. And I like to explain to you, some of you might have gone to some of these churches where they have liturgies, liturgical worship. And they are, when you look at them very, very closely, they are very similar actually. When you sing a hymn, which is called traditional worship, what you essentially do is the hymn is supposed to contain doctrine. And when you sing that, you hold that doctrine in your head and you reflect on that like a chocolate on your tongue and you allow it to dissolve, you see. Isn't that a good simile? I don't know whether you think about a hymn as a chocolate, okay. You see, that's what you do, you see. You, you, 
you, you rest your mind on that and you reflect. And it is also called meditative prayer. You meditate as you sing that hymn. The other type of prayer that we are also very familiar with is what you call praise choruses, which are similar to the chants of the traditional church. You have the chorus and you repeat that. Ad nauseam. <laughs> Some might say. Okay. Right? You repeat that. And why do you, why do, you do that? You're crazy? No. <laughs> you see, the, the purpose of the chant or a good praise chorus is for you to focus on, on a profound knowledge of God, understanding. Like for instance, in my church and in the ancient tradition of the church, there is a praise chorus in Greek called Kyrie Eleison. It's very simple and you repeat it. Kyrie Eleison, Christe Eleison, Kyrie Eleison. What does it mean? Kyrie means Lord and Christe means Christ. These are the two foundational knowledges that we have got about Jesus in the early church as well as today. Kyrios means Jesus is the Lord of the universe. And Christe means that Jesus is the anointed one promised by the prophets. And when you chant it in your praise chorus, you repeat that. Okay, we are coming to time. And then we have meditative prayer that is in scripture. When you read scripture, you turn your scripture into prayer. You learn theology, religious studies. You turn your learning into prayer. That is the summit. And then you have silence as a form of prayer where God speaks to you. A silence that is not empty a silence that is pregnant with meaning, with fullness, with feeling. And then the last two I'm not going to describe. We have what is called contemplative prayer. And finally we have what is called mystical prayer. You see. And I think we have come to the end. So for a moment let us pray and come to God's presence. And I will give you a blessing and then we could leave. O Holy Spirit of the risen Christ, you who live in us, in each one of us, you who know where we are at, be with each one of us, Lord, for you are the Lord of the universe. Lead us in our interior life. Make us grow into you as you grow into us. And let me give you a blessing. O oh Father, you who are the creator of all life that is within us, you are the giver of health that is in us, you who are the strength of our bodies and of our limbs, be with us. Give us health today and life to our bodies. 
O Lord Jesus Christ, you who are the light of the world, be the light of our minds as we learn, and be a lamp to our paths. O Lord, the Holy Spirit, you who are the God of love, be the love of our hearts and of our homes and of our friends and of our community here at Westmont. Make us grow in love and knowledge of you and find your life. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.